0: Welcome to Narrative Live. The Democratic Party impeachment managers released their legal brief ahead of next week's trial. And it's a serious indictment. It really reads like a very serious uh, crime that the president uh, committed by inciting the crowd at the insurrection. But it's a very narrow view of what really happened and what really led up to the insurrection on January the 6th. And tonight we're going to do something really special. We're going to take a look at how we got to this event, the January 6th insurrection, but also the national security threat that it's left behind. And we're doing something really special. We're going to do a timeline from September-ish all the way to January the 6th, looking at all the key events. And we're going to do it with two of the best reporters in the business who cover the extreme far right. One of them is on the right of your screen there. Michael Hayden Edison Hayden, sorry, Michael Edison Hayden from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Hi, Michael. How are you? I'm well, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. And later on, Luke O'Brien from Huffington Post will join us as well. And LB is here. And LB is the reason we have all these great journalists here tonight, because you know these gentlemen and uh, and they've helped uh, certainly uh, inform your view of the world of how the far right has been developing in the trump universe
1: yeah and um you know the audience has been hearing me say every time the the hard right or the extremists come up michael i'm dropping your name and i'm dropping um uh, luke's name because the audience is you know like who do we follow what journalists should we listen to um and so uh you know it's a it's a real honor that you've come on and um, and just to even share your insights and, and share your perspective with everyone. I think there's a lot of folks here that are fans and, um, and some new followers that uh, hopefully can get this sort of level of uh, understanding of what we're looking at, what has always been present in our in our uh body politic and our discourse and um and not kind of collapse at all i feel like what michael and luke do so beautifully is they really help us with the distinctions um that we uh, between these folks that are getting radicalized folks that are in extremist groups folks that are maybe more militant things that we can really classify as being hate groups It's a it's a menagerie and uh, and people coming in for different reasons um, and you know within our body politic and it's great to have Michael and Luke to help us sort through all of all of those different. People. Absolutely. I would say
2: that Luke is not here yet, obviously, but um, this will be like a replacement for our very long nightly conversations, which would be which would serve as a very forbidden podcast for only really get us <laughs> in trouble. Ooh, uh, that's we are going to on that. Long you you can ask him about that they go until like two in the morning sometimes luke oh, and wow. are uh, very aggressive phone talkers who have known each other for a while and i would just say that we appreciate um readers who got it you know before the insurrection i think that's important
0: to to pay that back you know what um we're going to ask him about that phone call right now because hey. how are you doing you made
3: it on time hey friends how are you
0: doing <laughs> We're listening to we're listening to uh, Michael tell you about tell us about the late night phone calls that you guys have that we're now eavesdropping in officially. (laughs) Yeah, yes, that's all. (laughs) All (laughs) All right, let's get started. We're not going to say anything to get us in trouble here. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, we're glad you both here. We really are very thrilled you both are here because it's going to be an interesting night of putting together this timeline. So, the furthest back I could find any reference to uh, to the insurrection or any plotting by the, any of the Trump family or the Trump associates was September 10th, which was when Roger Stone shows up on the Alex Jones show and starts talking about, you know, the insurrection act starts talking about martial law, starts talking about arresting certain people like Mark Zuckerberg and Hillary Clinton. Um, and I think that's probably the earliest piece of, uh, of business we saw from these guys in terms of this idea coming up. Do you do you guys know if this came up, if if the idea
3: of the September oh, sorry, of January 6th came up before in any way? Well, there's there's always been the, an idea of uh, laying siege to, to the federal government. I mean, that, that's been uh, circulating in far right extremism communities for a long time. Uh, but but there was there's ample chatter um about the January 6 attack I'm not I'm not sure I'm not aware of specific plans um, prior to uh, September 10th that I saw I don't know maybe maybe Michael's got some other stuff but uh, certainly you know by the time the stop the Steal campaign got off the ground which would have been early November there's there, there, the, you know these extremists are talking about um, putting together a plan to, to go after the capital. It makes sense because
2: that's around the time when it became abundantly clear that Trump was not going to win the popular vote. He had almost no chance of winning the popular vote, right? I think it was like 0.5% chance mathematically, something yeah. like that. And um, even within a range of potential outcomes, he looked uh, increasingly improbable that he would win the election at all in September. Um, and then obviously, you know, he. The range of outcomes included this where the polls were off in some cases by five or six points, but still he was soundly defeated. Um, So I think it would make sense that they were beginning to lay the groundwork for the situation where they just could not pull off that electoral college victory
0: right so it's 33 days before the election here's roger stone talking to alex jones both of these characters feature quite widely in the story because they seem to be among the chief plotters uh, the video is courtesy of alex jones so ignore what you're seeing on the screen but the the audio is really what we need to be listening to here's what uh here's what they had to say when roger stone appeared on alex jones i
4: don't want to overplay the, the facts here but if someone will study the president's uh authority in the Insurrection act and in the, his ability to impose impose martial law. If there's widespread treaty he will have the authority to arrest Zuckerberg, to uh, arrest uh, Tim cook, to arrest the Clintons, to arrest anybody else who can be proven to be involved in illegal activity. I do not advocate a uh, preventive detention, but people who commit crimes, I, I think they can continue to get away with it because we have two tier justice are just wrong. Well, let's be clear, when we have a
2: chi-com-backed big tech running slave camps in China, belligerently trying to steal the election, and they've pressed the attack and they won't stop, they believe in a game of chicken, they're about to win. I've
4: never heard you, and I've seen you back 40 years ago on TV, talk like this. You're not an alarmist, you're a realist. This is the wheelhouse they've taken us to. Well, the Republican structure in the states and nationally is not prepared for the aftermath of this election. Legally or politically, they're not prepared. There's going to be widespread, obvious, blatant flagrant illegality. The authority exists to stop that. It will have to be used if necessary
0: so that's 33 days before the elections before they even lost the election they were just
3: had given up really and started planning uh all of this it's uh, it's uh it, it's not surprising to see roger stone in the mix here uh, michael can speak to this as well um you know this is this is the uh political saboteur you know bar none in uh contemporary american history i mean this guy has I've been trained in and training others in, in the dark arts of uh, political sabotage for many years. Uh, and, and you can go back just uh, four years ago uh, when Roger Stone came up with uh, this, this slogan, this Stop the Steal slogan, uh, as a way, and, and Michael's done some reporting on this, It's a way to undermine, um, you know, first it was to undermine other Republican candidates in the primary against Donald Trump. And then later, it was to, to go after uh, the Democrats uh, in the general election, and you know this was all uh, an attempt to cast doubt on the legitimacy of of, of you know our our, our, pro- our democratic process. And he was doing that back in 2016, and then in 2018, um, the same slogan that- "Stop the steal" he was using in 2016 yeah. and 2018. He, he was he was so so uh, so actually this guy, the guy who or- orchestrated. Uh, this entire Stop the Steal protest movement for 2020 field tested this slogan uh, in 2018 in, a, in a, a tight Senate runoff in Florida. Uh, he he got a lot of activists out there in, in front of the election center. Roger Stone was there. Some of this exact same extremist groups we've been seeing who are linked to to Alex Jones. They're linked to you know the other extremist groups who uh, attack the Capitol. They were there in twenty eighteen out in the street protesting. The Proud Boys being being one of them. Some of these far right propagandists who pushed the same disinformation in twenty twenty. I mean, this is an orchestrated long-term plan that these guys have been fine-tuning over years. It's a group of, a group of people that work together. So, um, you know, it, what Roger Stone is saying is absolutely ludicrous about, about detaining these tech companies, if I, uh, the executives there. I find that interesting too, because they always use uh, the tech platforms as this, this kind of stupid foil for what they're trying to do. Um, and, and that, and that gets into kind of this disinformation about conservative speech being censored on the platforms. This is those, they're kind of like straw man that they're trying to, to whack, um, as a way to foment the base too. So, uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's incredible to me to watch the same bad actors who have been doing the same thing year after year after year. Some of them, I mean, Roger Stone goes back decades, Alex Jones goes back. At least ten, okay. fifteen years. He okay. was, you know, yeah, he was on the radio before he was on TV, mm. doing the same stuff, saying the same thing, um, and 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 here we are. we you know, so who's funding
0: them? Who's funding them? I don't, um, Michael, you ready yeah. to pick that up? Where does it? Where does this come from? Is the is it the GOP or is it are the other sources that are funding these guys?
2: I mean, dark money. Uh, they don't want. They don't. Want, they just want to obscure their sources. I mean, I'll just speak to it very, that, that that question very broadly, and and just say that um, it's not a coincidence that. That all the money that flows into the far right is something that's hard to find, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can you, you know who the donors are for for Southern Poverty Law Center. You can find them. Um, you can find them for most civil rights organizations, things like that. People want to put their name to it. Um, there's a reason why these things are obscured. I'll give you one example of VDARE, which is a group that did um, what they call journalism, on January 6th, right, because they reporting on what turned into an insurrection was um, there. Um, they got $1.5 million in dark money, Alex Koch reported. Um, in 2019 uh which they in turn bought a castle uh in west virginia for 1.4 million dollars without a loan oh. uh right the, there's a reason why this stuff is hard to find and you know the the other thing is of course cryptocurrency um which uh we saw uh fuentes get a big bump in that um and you know whether it's small kind of cryptocurrency like handouts that come on d live like sites like that where they kind of just grind it out mm-hmm. in small amounts or if it's like big big, big, you know, donations that come in, Luke has done, I feel like Luke is talking about my reporting, I'm talking about Luke's, but Luke has done like a big like a story about, a really great story about a Daily Stormer getting a huge influx of Bitcoin in the aftermath of Charlottesville, for example. The same thing happened to Fuentes, of course. So um, Luke
1: and I got to know each other because I was in yeah. the money pot. Hmm. Yeah, so, yeah no, so, Nazi, 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 Nazi money. The money that you're finding is the same money over here. And I was like, I think you're right. And that's what we were doing.
2: Well, I was going to say also like privacy cryptos, uh, like Monero, these kind of things that require a step transaction that are kind of even more difficult to track. So, um, you know, the answer, broadly speaking, is, yeah, like, you know, some people buy, you know, brain supplement stuff from, from Infowars, but you can see how... How how futile that was for people like Cernovich, who mm-hmm. most of it didn't work. Yeah,
1: it didn't work. The brain supplements it didn't make
2: the, did the brain better. Um, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well,
1: so I mean, talk about it, a little bit, Michael, too, because you were saying something earlier of like you know, the, it, it, not too much, but and and even like Videre maybe a little bit. I don't want to get, draw too much attention to these places, but. Um, no, I mean, very we, should do, we should talk about they, they do surface people, right? They surf. It's a, it's a, it's sort of like a surfacing technique of who's going to be a great propagandist and who might even end up being a Congressperson.
2: Yeah, I mean, in the case in in, in both the case of Vitter and Infowars, you have hate groups, extremist groups who are connected to people in the Trump administration, right? Because I mean, yeah. Roger Stone. Uh, was a regular contributor to InfoWars and brought President Trump um, as a candidate on the air there, which was at the time so mind-boggling. And I think many people just viewed it as, okay, Trump is just going to lose. This is just a totally insane attempt at becoming president. you know. But now we have to look back on it and be like, my God, that was really um, unnerving, the fact that he was actually on there. But um, Jack Pozobic who we, we we talk about um, quite frequently because of his con- connections. He was a contributor to InfoWars and he's connected to all kinds of Trump administration officials. And, um, you know, just a lot of people with roots in the Trump uh, movement. And then the same thing with Vidair, connections to Stephen Miller, connections to Julia Hahn, who was the deputy press secretary at the end of her term and is now working for Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee, which is a... Something I've got to draw attention to. It's like these guys, you know, I get irritated when they make me write a story. Um, uh, But like, yeah, I mean, these are these are hate groups with really deep, powerful connections. These are not. um, We're not talking about the base or you know these kind of accelerationist neo-Nazi groups. They are, in some ways, uh, arguably more dangerous because of the degree to which they can tap into power, and that's why we had the situation like we did on January sixth. These are hate groups. Um, and people
0: connected to power. So it's not surprising then the Republican Party and the senators are not likely to vote for conviction because most of these operatives appear to be connected to them in some way or another.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, all these guys have have connections uh, to groups I like have this. people
1: running their social media accounts. God knows where they get the folks that are running their there social very,
2: media. Are- well well in, in the post trump landscape very few of them are unfortunately which is which is scary mm-hmm. uh, you know you look at somebody like marjorie Ta- taylor green not in the senate of course uh but she was you know she was an infowars contributor she used to be on on something called news wars which is like one of their offshoots which they were trying to just you know cobble together some kind of social media presence after getting um deplatformed across those services marjorie taylor green was on news wars entertaining people who um, we're calling the Christchurch terror cl- attack a false flag.
3: I'll add something on Jack Pasovic, real, real quick here, uh, and, and again, you know, <laughs> hats off to Mike. He's done the best reporting on Pasovic out there. But um, it, it, you know, the the woman who who was shot by the Capitol Police during insurrection, mm. uh, Ashley Babbitt, the penultimate retweet that she uh, posted was Jack Posobiec making a a joke about, uh, or it's seemingly a joke, about domestic terrorists arriving by the plane load for January 6th in Washington. This woman was radicalized on social media, um, in part by Jack Posobiec and people like him, and you know i have had i've had multiple sources at at least three different people who are close to Pasovik, tell me that he i mean he is in donald trump jr's speed dial you know list and and, i mean he's taking calls directly from the trump well then the trump administration um and and this guy has been pushing around really dangerous disinformation for years so you know to, to mike's point about how close this is to the Republican Party. Sometimes there's no daylight at all. This just mm-hmm. is the Republican Party. Um, and, and when we're talking about about dark money and in cryptocurrency, you know some of the stuff you can actually trace. Um, and, and you know you got to you got to trace it back through uh, ver- a passel of packs and all that. Uh, but you can get get back to like Mercer money and Coke money that's that's funneling into this insurrectionist movement, or you know, not explicitly advocating for insurrection necessarily, but, but creating the conditions for it and and organizing. I mean, it was a bunch of different groups. There were the extremist groups that showed up to attack the Capitol, but then there were all these groups that kind of you know, organized the thing and and, and got the people there. So, uh, and those were very well-funded and not really even by, I guess by, by today's That's standards, forward. you wouldn't even consider it extremist money. It's just, it's just, it's just Republican billionaire money.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. And it's all just designed to hold right. up to power. You know, by November 9th, this is after the elections, obviously, McConnell had, uh, had agreed to at least uh declare publicly that Biden was the president but you know and and Romney and uh, and Murkowski agreed to that or the president elect others like Graham was still on the air saying that you know we still have to fight back um we you know we 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 lose it t- we lose elections like this because they cheat us so there's this constant theme of that happening now of course Graham has had photos taken with leaders of the Proud Boys um, you've had other Republican congressmen like Getz um having photos taken or or having uh, the Proud Boys boys as guards at their events. It seems to me like there's a a real, you know, on the ground connection between some of these new, new, I don't want to call them conservative because they're not conservative, sort of these new far right um, Republican congressmen. And women uh, and these proud boys, these militias on the ground, and that seems to be quite dangerous. I mean, at the end of the day, um, these militias are 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 operating in a political field.
2: Look, we, you know, our our extremist file on the proud boys is one of the most highly trafficked things on our site. People are always going back to it to find information because I think Southern Poverty Law Center was very early on pointing out the threat of that group. But you know, one thing that they um, that distinguishes them from other groups and and one of the reasons why they they were so um, influential in making January 6th happen is the degree to which they you know don't like, they're not necessarily fighting for an ethnostate right like they're not out there um, trying to build a white ethnostate explicitly although they have of course members like Jason Kessler, who uh, organized, you know, who is a proud boy, who helped organize the Charlottesville. Well, I mean, he was the leading organizer of the Charlottesville Unite the Right rally, things like that. Um, it is this um, kind of hard right, anti democratic, authoritarian, uh, on the ground um, group. That to me is, 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 is kind of like what, what both Luke and I had become more and more obsessed with and looking at, uh, largely because, I mean, I think I mentioned to you in an earlier conversation that like, you know, I mean, people still have this idea. It's like, oh, it's Richard Spencer is coming to get us and things like that. It's a very different uh, landscape when you're talking about the Proud Boys. This is a uniformed group um, who, who shows up at cities across the country. They have chapters across the country. And yeah, they very prominently had a person of color in a leadership position who turned out, of course, to be a, a you know, a fed, a fed informant or whatever, which, <laughs> um, good luck know with
1: that. what's going on? How do they not know how law enforcement actually works? I, I It is, the, the, there is a stupidity at the heart of all of this too, that it's just, it's, is it the fantasy and the LARPing? What, what is it to keep them from, well, it's interesting you mentioned the, the reality LARP- that, that, that they're living in. There's like a, you know, how can they not think that they've been, this is all we do. We do this really well. Law enforcement, you know, (laughs) does this, we, as if I'm in it, but they do it really well. They know how to get in.
2: To give you a kind of like, I, I don't want to go into like a lewd direction or something, but like if you, if, if you're like fantasizing about like, oh, I'm going to have an affair or something like that, right? Like it's it's like this, you know, this this ongoing thing that is just you're cultivating and cultivating and cultivating, right? Something like that. And then all of a sudden, now you're doing it, right? And now there's all these new complications. There's all kinds of new things. You're doing this thing and whatever. Um, I think the real danger is now after they are already having done it, right? Because like they're they're it's going to. Memeing into reality, this kind of yeah. fascist thing, right? Maming it was
1: like a tit-
2: Exactly, like it, oh, it's God. a kind of like the titillating desire was was there for so long, and they just yeah. kept, yeah. you know, getting themselves more and more excited about doing it. And now that it's out yeah. there, they are that, right? Now it's different because yeah. they're going to get much better at, at, at things exactly like you mentioned there, right? They're going to well, cover their tracks the better. They're going to be so real, far- and yeah, they've
1: had the experience. Is real, and now they can they can operate in this in the realm of reality. Is is I, I think it is very dangerous. You
2: remember the helicopter memes and all that stuff from twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. That was yes, the fantasy period. That was the talking talking themselves into it.
0: What do they want, Luke? I mean, what's the end end goal of of these yeah. array of groups? What is what is the ultimate goal here?
3: Well, it, it, it's it's hard to. Pick just one sort of uniform outcome because there are the groups do differ in terms of uh, their their belief system a little bit. Uh, but ultimately, I think the best way to think about this is um, this 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 term anti democratic. I mean, they really are opposed to a, a functioning. Democracy in a diverse country. I mean, we are a diverse country. It's a multiracial democracy that is so threatening to them. And uh, I, I found it very interesting in my interactions with uh, with MAGA people because, and I'm, I'm sure Mike gets this too. You know, we we I get a lot of hate mail, um, and every now and then I, I decide to to interact with some of these people because I'm trying to understand. Where they're coming from, it's never it's never a happy interaction. Um, but and and I hope my editors aren't reading my email because it gets kind of chippy. But um, you know, it, it's 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 fascinating what they uh, come at me with, and but it's also enlightening. So I've had numerous readers write in, accusing me of all kinds of crazy stuff, but when it, you get right down to it what they are are, are claiming to stand for is a is the republic defending the republic they never talk about democracy never and sometimes when i when i respond with well you know this is also about protecting a democracy they say america is not a democracy it is a republic and i said well actually it's both things um you know and, and it's it's really interesting that perspective because what they want is this retrograde kind of idealized version of america before frankly all these non-white immigrants were let into the country. That—that that is what a lot of these groups are kind of—they'd uh, like to go back back to, and they and they're very threatened by any form of diversity especially in our politics so you know we have all these different terms that we use to refer to the different groups the white nationalist group and neo-nazi group there's neo-nazi accelerationists that mike mentioned before which is like burn it all down we don't want to preserve anything we want to like destroy and just raise the country to the ground and then build something on top of that you know then you have just the the, the far-right extremist catch-all but you know, they are, uh, fundamentally an anti-democratic, uh, they belong to an anti-democratic movement. And I think that's how we got to conceive of yeah. it here. Yeah. And, and, and to that, to
2: that end, about the, just very, very quickly. Sure. It is, there are strange bedfellows, you know, in there, as Luke knows, um, I know he's been, been doing some reporting on, uh, Ali Alexander. He's a multiracial, uh, you know, bi- biracial background, um, And, uh, you know, is willing to work with, uh, you know, America uh, the America First Coalition, Nick Fuentes, which is primarily white nationalist, Mm -hmm. um, right? Enrico Terrio, the Proud Boys. And then people like Stephen Miller, who is, of course, Jewish. um, And, uh, you know, dealing with hard right groups that have uh, some oftentimes have anti-Semitic views. I mean, anti-Semitism is very common, even among the sort of patriot um wing of these uh you know these type of people as we see with people like Marjorie Taylor Green
0: right and you see names like you know, Michael Flynn associated with um yeah. the, the um, Bolton, uh Bolton foundation or whatever it was called the the anti-muslim uh, grouping that was mostly funded out of out of Israel out of Israel you know they had- Michael Flynn was associated with that. And yet here he is also running a, a white nationalist group. It's sort of a- Well,
3: you, you, you also see Michael Flynn taking the the QAnon
0: pledge- Right. right. T-
3: oh,
1: um, and yeah, calling yeah, yeah. and call and for martial law.
0: Right, he'll do everybody.
3: And, and, and also yeah. meeting with Vladimir Putin. Uh, so- yeah, true.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's- Can I just say this? I will do it. It kind of seems like what it is, is you have this, uh, the hierarchy of power, right, um, of, it being a, a, a white nationalist patriarchy, right, sort of thing, but there's a thought superiority over the white su- pa- male superiority in that if women and anyone of any, anyone with any diversity or anyone who's Jewish religious diversity can uh, align themselves with the same thinking, the same thought, they get to enter that tier of superiority and share power. Mm-hmm. So. It, it's, I think that's where it seems like it's not that it breaks down and it makes exceptions. It's just that the, the thinking, right, the mindset, the goal, it stands above the white male patriarchy columns.
2: Is right, that, for now. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, right I, right I think now. you brought up a very yeah. good point there that misogyny is, is, is uh, you know, often a gateway drug for this stuff.
3: It's the also, we're talking about an authoritarian movement here, and they need bodies. So over time, you know, as 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 fascists gain power, over time they restrict the in-group. So they will start to, you know, in, in, in Germany it was the Jews, then it was the Catholics, and, you know, they're, they're coming after everybody at, at a certain point who's not like a member of the SS. So that's, that's it's kind of w- what you see in like the nascent stages here where all these people are working towards some end goal in their mind, which is opposed to multiracial democracy of, of, of some kind uh, and are are willing to join forces. And, and some of the, by the way, I, I mean, Mike brought up Ali Alexander. His politics is inseparable from his desire to grift off of the extremism. So there are a lot of people who get into it for that reason, because there is a ton of money sloshing around and they're willing to do anything for it. Right. It does feel like there's a lot of money there. And
1: fame and attention. Yeah. And fame and attention.
3: So
0: one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this time period that we're looking at there, which is uh, the November 10th period of time, is that that is when Trump decided to um, retire Mark Esper, who was the defense secretary. And then he introduced a whole bunch of interesting people into the Pentagon. Now, it's an unusual time to do this kind of giant changeover of leadership in the Pentagon, um, especially when the kind of people you're putting in there are, you know, this gentleman, Anthony Tata, who apparently, amongst other things, thinks Barack Obama is the leader of a terrorist organization. You have Ezra Cohen Watnik, who comes out of the um, Michael Flynn School, really, he's Michael Flynn's protege, and and Michael Ellis who, and Kash Patel, who worked for Devin Nunes. These are all guys who have questionable you know, credentials for the kind of jobs that they took, yet at the time, people explained this away as, you know, he, uh, Trump was trying to find evidence uh, to suppress the Russia hoax. In hindsight, though, it looks to me like maybe they were preparing for the September, I'm sorry, for the January 6th insurrection. And, you know, what we'll see in a bit is that the. Um, the the national guard, as you know, were withheld from coming into that, into that uh, insurrection and and containing it. Do you, what do you guys think about that? I mean, looking at it in hindsight, is the military more involved in in this potential coup than um, than we realize? Looks messed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: it
2: doesn't look right I don't, know I'm not, I don't have any more information than that but it looked weird at the time weird
4: well, at yeah. that, so. I, I, I would
3: say I would, I would say that uh, the military is, uh, actually probably stayed out of it um, uh, you know you you have the military has been on guard uh, when it comes to Trump for quite some time now you could see some of the statements that have been put out by you know So some military commanders and, you know, to be really very critical of Trump without naming him um, and, and, you know, stating that the military is here to defend the Constitution. And we all took an oath to the Constitution, Um, sounding very much like oath keepers actually there. But uh, that's that's sort of beside the point. But. I think you know the the threat from the military is is coming more from individuals who have been radicalized at some point during or after their military career and are embraced by these groups, which is why we've seen so many military guys and former police or current police, um, but part of that insurrection is mob. I think what Trump, you know, yeah, what Trump was trying to do there was was obviously no bueno. Um, it's 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 remains to be seen what exactly. That was, I think, as journalists, it's going to be hard for us to state anything definitively. But I will say this, Cash Patel is a very interesting guy there because he, I believe, was the one who worked to suppress uh, the DHS reports about the far-right extremists and the white supremacist threat. Um, oh, really? It's interesting. Yes, he was He was the main guy. So when the whistleblower at DHS came forward, I think he was a former FBI guy at DHS, and said... Uh, Chad Wolf and, and some other people have been trying to basically hide the fact that there is a, a burgeoning, you know, far-right extremist terrorist threat in this country, mainly white supremacist threat. Kash Patel was the one who uh, I think was trying to, you know, stop that from coming to light. So you see you see little, little details like that um, associated with a lot of those guys, and then Trump's making those last-minute changes, and yeah, it really...
2: <laughs> and and yeah. amplify and amplify uh, these sort of uh, stories about antifa
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that Antifa I, thing is not, you know, as we saw, it wasn't really a big threat to to anyone in in the in the, in the, in the summer riots or the summer uprisings that we had. Yet, it still is, seems to be the foil that they go for, even. Well, even there's, on the 6th. There's, there's
2: there, you know, anti-fascists have have done violence during the Trump era. I mean, we all watched Richard Spencer get his bell rung on January twentieth, uh, twenty seventeen. It was like the most viral. Um, you know, moment of that of of that year. I feel like on, on in along the, these lines, along that subject. Um, but it's it's you know, it stands to reason that there is the, that that any government body that is designed to protect the public would be paying more attention to a movement associated with terror attacks in 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 Christchurch, uh, which is not on our on our. Uh, you know, on our, on our country, but in our country, Tree of Life terror attack, uh, El Paso terror attack, um, you know, in Poway, there was an attempt uh, to do, to murder tons of people. Uh, ultimately, only one person died, and only one person is a huge tragedy. I mean, it, it, there, there's no comparative. I mean, there's nothing you can compare it to, which is why they keep trying to peddle out these stories about like that guy from Dayton, Ohio, who was, you know, was, oh, he was a leftist and these things. They really desperately need that narrative. That's why Andy No has been so important to that um, mm-hmm. to that group, and that's why, you know, figures like those people who are at DHS were were retweeting, promoting no I mean, they needed his narrative,
0: right? So, um, as November sort of came...
1: Can, you guys, can we just ex- explain yeah. that a little bit sure. more? Sure, so like, of course. Luke, did you want to join, jump in on Andy No and who, like who he
3: is? Uh, well, sure. I was just going to mention that uh, Andy No, <laughs> who I guess, you know, depends what label you want to use. I like to call him a far-right propagandist. Uh, Mike calls him a, a far-right a social media performer—is that right? So you know, social media. I was like, what I is have a name altogether.
2: social media what? news? A social <laughs> he, media I don't news performer. He's this a joke. Really he's he he uh, performer. He's certainly not a writer. I've read his samples from his
0: book. <laughs> holy lord! <laughs> <it> is, <yeah. laughs> Tough crowd.
1: Yeah, he's not. But, he's but what does that
0: mean, a social yeah. performer? What do you mean by that? Like, I mean, what does that mean? He, that he performs means? the news, right?
2: Yeah. He generate. He sometimes, you know, I mean, he he goes out like, uh, you know, kind of just dancing around on social media, um, kind of dragging out video clips, sometimes heavily edited um with it with with no context uh you know to provoke a reaction
0: person. to provoke the news really awesome.
2: yeah, I mean, so exactly exactly. Awesome. exactly like he's he is uh, in the absence of journalism, he is perf- he is performing news. He is trying to give you know a- an air of seriousness to what he does, and it gives people. He's like, yeah, I get the news from a real journalist. Mm-hmm. This guy, and, and you know, is, is this you know, it's very interesting. It's all the people who are like the kind of real journal. Oh, you're this guy's a real journalist. So people like Tim Pool, people who are not serious people. Um, you know, forget journalists, they're just not serious human beings. They're just, um, you know, performers. They don't, they're, they're not like, you know, mostly performing for money um, for an audience that knows what it wants. And, and they really uh, rest their, um, their ammunition on, on this Antifa thing. It's something that, that draws huge amounts of traffic. I know from my Newsweek days, how much traffic things with Antifa in the headline do? There are people who are just searching this topic constantly. I used to meet my traffic quotas at Newsweek. Yes, we had those um, just by putting Antifa in the headline. Sometimes I tried to um, to wow, subvert that desire from all the people, whatever. <laughs> but they are just, you know, they know it. They're they're feeding. They're just feeding that beast. You know, dropping pellets in its mouth constantly um, with yeah, this Antifa well, stuff that
1: everybody wants about all the time. You know, it's uh, uh, coming the, out of the mouth uh, of the president as well.
2: Yeah, it's, so because this, it's because known. of far right, you know, far right violence is is looks bad. It looks bad, right? Mm-hmm. And so you, you need an equivalent, and that's why. It is. So how, with with, in, with Andy,
3: no, it's important to recognize too that that he is a vital cog in this in this larger propaganda machine, and he 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 has been able to. Uh, create enough distance between himself and and open far right extremist groups, despite the fact that he rolls around with a lot of them in the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, and and they protect him, and he's live streaming from among them, and often these, and then releases these selectively edited videos. Uh, so he's been platforming them. But despite all that, he, he's he been able to kind of exist in in sort of mainstream conservatism in a way that a lot of these other guys have, have not. And for that reason, um, he has been promoted by the likes of Senator Ted Cruz from... Texas who it was you know amplifying Andy Ngo on social media not only that brought him to congress uh, a couple times to testify about this threat of antifa um, right. and and it's really kind of kind of crazy to see how this this machine that's been that's been built to get the disinformation out how how well oiled it is and how, how easy it is for somebody like Andy No, who has zero journalism credentials whatsoever, um, is you know uh, seen as, as a propagandist uh, by real journalists. And he's, he's in front of Congress testifying about Antifa and, and kind of cementing this disinfo in, into the record. That whole ecosystem that exists of of these amplifiers, or like you know, Jack Proz- Prozobiak
0: or or him, you know, there's just such a. It seems so structured and, and well thought out and well funded. It doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, by accident that we have OANN and and Newsmax and and all these people get well paying jobs and you know. It's you just need to a- be
2: willing to do it.
0: Yeah, he needs to be willing to do it, but how, you know, again, I'm asking a little bit about where the funding is coming from and why, why they, these networks get carriage, why is there so much respect for them within the system? Is it just billionaires wanting to pile money into something even though it's not true? Well, yeah, I that's part Trump, of it. You know? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I mean, I, but look, you know, Trump, was the, Trump, Trump is still even off Twitter and out of government, the most famous person arguably in the world right now,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? So as many people who loathe Trump, and I would argue there are more than than like him, especially worldwide, um, You know, anybody who's that famous is going to have a massive, 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 massive crowd of fans. And all the people who filter down from that are people who are kind of feeding off of that, you know, that, that, you know, the runoff from, nice. his, from his celebrity. Um, and, and there's just no other way to put it. I and mean, that's why Newsmax and One American News jumped out because they were not, you know, Fox was insufficiently loyal to Trump, which is, you have to laugh at even that idea, right? Can but imagine, you just point to the fact
0: that there's three of them, there's three right-wing networks and there's, you know, there's MSNBC right. on the left. Like what, well, why is there such change. a inequality in that, in that realm? Well, because be, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: well, I think it is also what? a plan. But I mean I think that there there's there's been a plan uh going back probably a couple decades at this point um, on on the political right uh, they know they know that um, the truth is not on their side and and therefore the mainstream media uh, has to become the enemy has to be demonized, but they also need a way around the mainstream media mm-hmm. and and that started many years ago with uh, kind of this this network of conservative bloggers. I'm sorry?
1: It was radio, too. It was talk radio. Well, exactly. Rush Limbaugh, Limbaugh. Bill O'Reilly, and Alex Jones. That was sort of the trifecta. Stephen Uh, Miller uh, uh,
2: loved uh, Rush uh, Rush Limbaugh.
1: That's right. And and in the Republican Party, he was really the leader of that party uh, because in the sense that they took their cues from him the, the senate, senate senate leaders congressional leaders they took their cues from rush they, yep. did. they did and from what he was cultivating this it was all about the audience and looking at voters as audience as an audience and so that is the perfect 20 year you know or 15 year at the time kind of red carpet for a reality star to come in and and captivate the audience
0: exactly so, yeah, yeah.
2: We well, spoke
1: about know, I was going to say one built. other thing, yeah, sure. uh,
2: just, just one thing really quickly, which is, yeah, I mean, there is, um, a, you know, a, a, a so-called liberal bias to a degree in mainstream media, although we have seen just like the absolute um, pull this both sidesism, you know, I don't know how to put it, um, has had and, and the degree to which that gets manipulated by, by far-right extremists, um, you know, front and center during the Trump era, um, there, is, there is a little bit of that. But uh, th- this kind of absence of truth thing is forces journalists to, to sort of um, have this kind of appearance of bias all the time. Because if you, if you go out and say like, yeah, climate change is not real, <laughs> for like a decade or more, uh, you know, what are we supposed to do? I and mean, then 99% of whatever scientists are saying, like, yeah, like obviously climate change is real. We have all this data, um, it's nice. to, you know, that squeeze has left, you know, left this huge vacuum. And you've got this, th- these people who are there with this tremendous feeling of resentment uh towards media what they perceive to be media elites some of it i think is justified to to a degree maybe maybe I, i'm not i'm not justifying hatred of the media because lord knows i have been on the, the you know people um people have targeted me with violent threats just like they have luke um but yeah i mean they people feel manipulated they feel lied to the iraq war um you know there was a lot of um stuff that happened there uh regarding the media that um really drove, um, mistrust in, in, in people. Um, but it is this re- you know, re- repetitious, um, mm. you know, Litany of lies that have been told on the right that have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, like a like a snowball rolling down. And now, you know, it's it's very difficult for journalists to remain objective in this in this conversation because it's basically, you know, only one side is admitting that climate change is real. That's just one example of so many different things.
0: Narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at Patreon.com forward slash Narrative.